Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So it's kind of getting to that romantic time of year, and I really, really wanted Jamie to get one of the Hallmark or Lifetime movies, but he said he tried. I think he was just pulling my chain. But we got something even better. We're going to be talking next week, American Wedding, a very, very worthy sequel in the American Pie franchise. You see some characters kind of taking on a different role, just like sequels do. Stifler's a bit different in this one, just like he really jumps the shark in American Reunion, but that's still a lot of fun. And for it, I talked to an actor, his scene got cut from American Wedding, but he had some great memories from it, so he was able to do a lot of improv, which it's in his background, we talk about improv a lot, and that is actor Patrick Gallo. Patrick is a guy, right before I even talked to him, through text message and just reading his IMDb profile, which you should check out, I was laughing. I was laughing before we even started chatting that night. Uh, just talking about his career, and he was so humble, and he loves what he does, and that's why he's going to be doing it forever, because he, he's so passionate about it, and he was able to find a different passion when he got a little bit sour the way uh, filmmaking is in L.A. He went to editing, and he fell in love with that, so it was pretty fascinating hearing about that, and I loved his journey, because... You know, he's going to a community college and then somebody believed in him. His uh, his teacher, his drama teacher believed in him. And that was huge, especially at such a young age. And then we talked about, you know, him going to school in New York, you know, writing shorts, being in plays, cattle call auditions, how he got out to L.A., you know, with him and his buddy that uh, buddy at the time that had a comedy duo. They did stand up. And uh, yeah, really, really Man, lots of fun. And then Budweiser commercial. If you remember the Was Up commercials, he was one of the main guys in the How You Doing commercial. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? The follow-up because Sopranos is so huge. And the big moment for him. Obviously, so many moments in his career that we talk about. He cares about all of them. But his role as Mario Puzo on Paramount Plus is The Offer is phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's worth it. So good. Great cast for everybody. But man, Patrick nailed the role. So yeah. So do me a favor. Before I start the interview, please, please, please follow us on all social media at sequels only. Subscribe. Share with your friends, your neighbors, ex-girlfriends, ex-husband, whoever. Just tell anyone and everyone about us. And then also YouTube. Find us on YouTube. Please subscribe there too. We're trying to get to a thousand uh, followers. It gives us like I don't know, some perks or something. I don't know. I don't know any of it. But what I do know is strap in for an amazing interview. I had a lot of fun, lots of laughs with actor Patrick Gallo. Cool, man. Yeah. So, Patrick, what I like to do with these is, uh, you know, every story has a beginning, and I love finding out how people started and then their journey along the way. So, you grew up in Buffalo. So growing up, when at what point did you have some sort of inkling that you're like, I want to be creative, I want to get on stage or screen? How did that all begin? Um, that's a lovely question. I love that. Uh, I think it probably what I would have to say. You know, I don't remember it being sort of. Uh, I don't remember it existing within myself like before I 
I started doing plays, but I think it was in my personality. Like my wife, I've known since kindergarten, and she oh no worries. Uh, yeah, and she would always she. I kind of check in with her and be like, "What was I like? What kind of a person?" Um, but because uh, <laughs> I just don't remember. But I think, uh, yeah, I would I would definitely say that there were little kind of dances I had with theater throughout my, you know, life in sixth grade and seventh. You know, doing plays and none of it was, you know, it was just part of the part of the year. Um, but I think in high school when I did uh, I did cabaret. Uh, at my high school. And I think my interest in things other than the show, like I was in it, and but I was also interested in, suddenly I was like, oh, I love this whole wardrobe situation. And I love, you know, this organization of the, sh- the scenes. And, and so I started thinking about, I was like, oh, I'd like to, you know, the whole directing and wardrobe. And, and it, it started to really wash over me at that, during that show that I loved to just be in the environment and be around, you know, a stage, you know, and furniture and wardrobe and, you know, this kind of magical world. And and it was that show that I did that uh, after high school, I, I went on to, to study acting. You know, I went to community college and, you know, and from there it went on. So, yeah. So short answer, cabaret. Cabaret was the seminal moment for Patrick. But no, it's always, you always wonder, like, when it comes to something like that, and it's usually school plays, that's the first outlet for people sure. to yeah. to give that shot. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's so cool. So, uh, so from there, you do, you go to like in Buffalo, Buffalo Community College, whatever the county is, I'm sure, right up there? Erie County. Yeah. Erie Community okay. College. I got married in Canada. Me and my wife did like a, me and her. Oh, really? Yeah. We got married in uh, Niagara Falls. Just me and her. Yeah, oh, a classic. Yeah. That's no big classic. wedding. Just me and her getting married nice. by some guy that I found on the internet that Great, was man. asked asked if he could wear a kilt. And then Perfect. we said, uh, I don't know. Maybe you go no kilt. But uh, no, Buffalo is awesome. Like that whole area, like love that part yeah. of the state. But no, yeah, so from is. there, so when did you feel when you're at community college, you're like, okay, this is good. Because I'm sure you were doing plays there, right? No, I was studying, I was studying acting there, you know, and then I was just kind of in, in school, um, you know, and, you know, really wasn't my thing. So I ended up sort of failing out of Erie Community College, I would say. I skipped my exams because I had an opportunity to, uh, to go to New York City with my friend and that always was the most important thing to do and it didn't really matter. I wanted to be in the, in, in the city. So, but my acting teacher there after I was, you know, after I kind of failed out, I guess, said, you know, come to the back door on Thursdays and I still want you in my class. And so I got to continue going by sneaking in and and studying, you know, with my acting teacher at the time. So that was cool, you know, it was like still, it was still happening and I was slowly becoming more and more intrigued and interested and, and I felt very at home. You know, when I was in a, you know, in that environment, you know, working on text and, you know, exploring plays and musicals and, and just being in a theater. It was like, you know, and that was it. And that was it. And then I, then I got, then I auditioned for school in New York and then I, which I auditioned in Toronto, by the way. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, for school in New York. And then I, and then I moved to New York City when I was 19. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. That's got to show that obviously you have something at that point that you've, you, yeah, you're, you're done with school. 
you get you flunk your exams. I did the same thing when I was at County College. I played golf yeah. and I just went and played golf instead of taking my exams. They used yeah. to write yeah. they used to write checks and you can go to any course like in Central Jersey where I where I'm from. So I used to be like, yeah. once you go to class, I'll just go play for free. So I did that for only six right. months and then uh <laughs> but no, that's cool that that happens yeah. and the teacher's still like Hey, you know what? Come to the back door. That's yeah. That's gonna show cool. you have something. It, it definitely said something to me. I mean, I definitely was so green at that time, um, but yeah, I was definitely still passionate, you know. But yeah, yeah, she saw something in me and didn't want me to to not be in in the class, and so that was like a really encouraging moment. And you know, at that age, you know, you take those moments and you go, oh "My God!" Like you said. Oh, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something special. You know, you don't know why or what. You know, but, but yeah. So that was it. And then, and then I moved to New York City, and um, yeah, and that was it. Wow. So from so New York City, what was that like? Because I obviously visited there, but living there at the age of nineteen must have been pretty wild. Oh my God, it was a dream. I, the yeah. easiest way to put it is, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, you know, here I was in Buffalo all those years. And the only New York City that I really knew before I ended up going there, but the New York City that I really knew was Woody Allen's New York City. Yeah. You know, and I kind of lived in New York City through his films. And that was the New York, you know, it was that music and those shots of the city and those feelings that he was able to sort of, you know, uh, create inside of those films that really, really, really gave you a taste of a, of a version of New York City. And when I moved there, it was like I was in my own little personal Woody Allen film. I mean, it was amazing. I moved to the Upper West Side and uh, it was just unbelievable. You know, I was 19. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I, I just I knew that I lived in New York City. And that was just overwhelming to me in the most unbelievable way. I mean, I had this, you know, room in this old hotel that the school put me in and it was overlooking Broadway and it was on the eighth floor and it was like I just I literally would just stand in awe whether I was looking out my window or standing on the corner I thought I'm a part of this city now I'm a part of it and it was oh my god the most exciting and 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 I didn't know who I was so it was like you're just you're you're meeting new people you're performing you're in school you're learning you're you're in the city. Every day you get up, you're in the city. And your morning starts there and your night ends there. I mean, that was like, you know, an incredible and inspiring and exciting time for sure. Um, I feel very lucky to have lived in New York at that time. And then how long How long was school there? Was it like a full four years? Two years. No, it was two, two years. Uh, it was a two-year you know, conservatory. It was two years. I loved it. I loved it all, you know, and then from there, uh, you know, I just started, you know, going out into the world, you know, writing stuff and, you know, that, you know, I was starting to sort of find myself, I guess, in certain ways, at however much you find at that time. Did you stick did in the city? Did you stay in the city afterwards? I stayed in the city. I left for like eight months because I went on, I started, I was doing some children's theater tours. Nice. So we were out on the road and, you know, just kind of driving in a van to all these different cities all across the, the country and uh, performing in, in theaters and school cafeterias. and That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that for a while. But yeah, but I was still in the city. Um, you know, and then I came back and just continued to work, you know, continued to do all work that I created for myself, you know, 
working at writing plays with friends and, you know, doing other table reads and other plays, you know, stuff like that. That's what it is in the beginning. And like, you see, obviously it happens, it's happened forever, but you have like a collective mind. I think that's why you said like, you felt comfortable. You felt at home when you were at, at Erie Community College in the acting class. Cause you're with so many people that it's not the easiest thing. Like every time I talk to any actors, it's like, you're not getting this job because you're like, man, I'm just going to act. That's it. It's easy. Yeah, That's what yeah. I'm going to do. It's a hard thing because there's so much emotion involved because you have to show emotion yeah. and the roller coaster yeah. of the job that itself. So yeah. So you, you connect obviously with people at the school, you're writing plays. Are you, are you auditioning? Are you doing any plays like off broad Broadway or on yeah. Broadway? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Auditioning, uh, you know, cattle calls, you know, actors equity, 500 in line, you know, reading for multiple casting directors, you know, just doing that whole thing. And, you know, I don't think I ever, ever got a call out of any of those. But once again, these are the things that like I can say that I experienced as an actor that I lived in those times, you know, that we would look through backstage. And I think eventually you, you I was waiting and waiting, you know, you kind of play this game of waiting. And then I just kind of got into the, the, the whole rhythm of, why, what am I waiting for? I just need to, I, I need to put myself to work. You know, I'm, I'm doing no justice. Uh, and so that's when I started writing um, and working, you know, with a friend of mine at the time, we started writing a lot of things together and we'd, you know, direct plays. And so we were always working, you know? And so auditioning for stuff, if, if we were able to, at that point, you know, I wasn't union. I wasn't yeah, yeah. anything in that way. Um, so when those opportunities would come along, it was great, but if they didn't come along, I was so wrapped up in, you know, uh, performing all over the city in different clubs and, you know, we're doing stand up and we were doing plays. Stand up? And, I could see you doing yeah, stand up. Yeah, we were a comedy duo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that for like seven years. Um, and did a little, got featured on Comedy Central and. What? Yeah, yeah. Was like, yeah. Did you guys have like a shtick? Yeah, it was like we were off Broadway for a long time. Yeah. That we that we brought out to L.A. and we did a a run out in L.A. Um, That's cool. some of the greatest creative you know moments of my life working with my partner at the time, and and it was sort of a surrealist vaudeville uh, thing that we did, you know, and we did all these wonderful bits and short films and did this whole multimedia show, music and. That's awesome. um, yeah, 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 that was the best. I mean, that was like, you know, complete freedom, you know what I mean? And so, um, and then, yeah, we got into that. And so it was like, I just got on this path of like, look, man, you can wait around for other people to hire you, or you can go and work and create and be a real artist. Like, really, if you want to be looked at uh, as an artist, you got to go, you got to go make art, you know what I mean? You can't do it by get booking a couple commercials. You know what I mean? Like I, it was a deeper thing for me, you know, and the things that I, I guess I needed and the labels I wanted around me, you know, were a part of that fuel to kind of like be out there. You know? Yeah. So. Did you do any improv in the city? I can see you doing that. I can just see from oh, your, like your, huh? No improv. I taught oh, it. Did nice. it. Nice. Yeah. 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 I taught it for a summer. Uh, I don't know when it was. It was in the summer. Was it summer? I don't know. Uh, but I taught it for a couple of months at uh, public school up on the Upper West Side. 
uh, worked at another company that used to do improv and teach like, you know, these sort of fortune 500 companies and nice. teach them improv. Yeah. So they would communicate better and, uh, abuse children. There was a whole program we did with abused children that would come and we would teach them. So yes, um, doctors for bedside manner, we would go to hospitals and like, you know, run improvs with surgeons and stuff like that. So that's pretty wild always, that they do that. Yeah. 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 It's wild. So always, always improv. I love improv and yeah. 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 And it's so much of my work is based on improv and whatever I write is usually coming out of an improv, you know? So no, I was just saying yeah, just for watching right. the offer, I don't know. We'll get to that in a little bit, but sure. just watching your scenes, I'm like, I obviously there's a script, but I was like, just the, the way you're delivering it or that's how you're, how good you are at delivering the lines. Yeah. It just seemed like Thank it was such it. riffing because you could tell when somebody riffs. That's why I think improv is like such a beautiful thing. Like I took classes when we lived Ooh. in Portland, Oregon for a few years. I think it's so cool yeah. because you'll never see it again. Like what you just saw right. will never be seen again. Obviously if somebody yeah. took the, the words and put them on paper, you could do it again, but it won't feel the same. It's, it's yeah. such a weird thing. It's like, Mouth jazz, like uh, Matt Besser of Upper Eight Sissy Brigade. He goes, uh-huh, calls uh-huh. that mouth jazz, and that's what it is. It's like love that. Just jamming out. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. That's exactly what it is. It's you know, it's musical. You know, it's a song, and uh, yeah, it is. It's great. It's never going to happen again. Uh, and so you're very in the moment, and that's like a really cool play. I mean, that's you know, I think improv on the on the larger scale, and you go, you know, in life we attain to be present. You know, total presence. You know what I mean? It's not before. It's not after. It's right where we are right now. That's the most important thing that's happening. And that's the basis of improv. You know, you're exactly in the moment. You know, and things are coming at you and you're moving and you're grooving and you're (laughs) figuring it out. It's a really magical uh, craft. Yeah. No, it's it's addicting when you do it or listen to it. I love listening to it. So from from yeah. there, so you're making you're creating because again, when you're not working, or you like you said, when you're getting like a few commercials here and there, you're not having anything on tape of you. You're not homing your craft. Obviously, you can do acting classes and everything, but it's actually like yeah. going through the actual like act of filming, be behind the camera in front of it. So when was like so like in your timeline, like when you get like Charmed or ER, is that while you're doing? all the things at the same no. time or no, well, no, those are like, those are more, uh, sort of, you know, probably eight years into my career at that oh, point. Oh, okay. Uh, and when our, our, our show went out to LA, then I, I stayed out in LA. I'd done a, a Budweiser commercial and that was like the first, that got me my SAG, that got me, that got me paid, that turned into eight commercial. I mean, it was like, you know, I'd never made any, money um you know what i mean i never earned any money as an actor and so that was like un- incredible to me at that time uh and i have suddenly had all this money coming in off this commercial um which was very 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 new to me because i had no money uh and i was working in restaurants etc strip clubs i even worked in strip clubs so, and then that was out in LA. So then, then the, the charm, the ER, like that started this other phase of my life, which was uh, living in Los Angeles and kind of uh, going through the business there, which is not how it was in New York, yeah. you know? And I enjoyed it and I, I kind of embraced it, but it wasn't really 
like, you know, it never really completely felt like, you know, home to me in the way that New York felt home. And I mean that both with where I lived and also the the craft and the environment and the landscape, you know, where it was suddenly I was in rooms auditioning and, you know, pretty boys. And, you know, you kind of were like, oh, these aren't my New York people, man. These guys are... I think they've been doing this for like three days and they're just like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to, you know, there was a different vibe, man, you know? And so, you know, so filmmaking became a little more important to me at that time because I was getting kind of sour on these kind of cheesy shows and, you know, it wasn't my thing. I realized I had to do it. And then I was like, eh, these are, this isn't really my vibe, you know? Yeah. So I had to find another outlet in LA and that was harder to do, but I, I'm always very grateful for it because was challenging to find things that inspire me. I did a lot of great work out there and I was very, you know, I had a lot of really good times there, but you know, it was different. It was very different than the New York life. And the if New you, York if you ever talked to anybody, I don't know if you talked to anybody that was like older and they say like, Oh, back in the day it was New York until like the mid eighties, New York was the place to go because casting would really like sort of not run through there, but they would be like, let's go to New York to get all the actors from Broadway off Broadway. Yeah. That's what they primarily did. And then there was like this right. switch in the mid eighties that it was like, LA yeah. is where to go. You have to go to LA to be because the comedy store was there. Like there were just so many yeah. different things out there at that time. But no, I agree. New York has like this mystique to it. And LA just, I don't know. It, once you're in LA or you visit LA, you're like, eh, yeah, I mean, New York's got this unbelievably yeah. mysterious depth, you know what I mean? And it's it's everywhere. You can't avoid it, you know? But, you know, I do, I love L.A. Yeah. So anyway, so the ER, the Charmed, uh, ER is a funny, it's a funny story because I still get paid for ER. Meanwhile, everything I did on that show got cut out. <laughs> it's never aired. I've your, never your aired. Your role of Rudolph Massey, nothing? I'm in the credits. I get people that interview me are like, so ER, they mention it. And I'm always like, I didn't even make the cut. Like it never, ever went to air. I never, never, that never, that all ended up on the floor. So it's very funny to me when people like to pick it up because it's ER and it's like, you did ER. It's like I did, but I didn't. I talked to a woman, just a real quick anecdote. She was in Best of the Best, the Eric Roberts movie. And it was funny. Her uh-huh. role in it was like woman number one. So I just said yeah. to her, because she was like the final girl in Friday the 13th part five. So I'm like, oh, I have to mention, because you were, I, I know it's probably just a little role, but it's one of my favorite movies. And she goes, oh, that's a really rough story. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I was Eric Roberts' girlfriend in the movie. And I shot seven scenes with Eric. And in my head, I'm like, that's a lot of scenes to be in and to play his girlfriend. And then they looked at the cut and they were like, yeah, I don't think he needs a girlfriend. And they cut her out of the whole yeah. movie. And they didn't tell her, and she went to the premiere. Oh, yeah. I've been in a similar situation uh, where that happened to Yeah. That's a, that's that's sucks that they didn't tell her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> to the premiere. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hey, before I forget, yeah. so when you go out with your the comedy team, uh, you and your buddy yeah. go out to L.A., how did, like, the Budweiser, like, obviously you're out there, you're like, hey, why don't I audition like I did in New York? So the Budweiser commercial, was that, like, one of the, you said there was eight of them? Well, it ended up being that over, like, a two-year period. Wow. We just kept getting called to shoot more and more. Yeah, it was amazing. Which ones were they? They weren't the What's Up commercials Is that you're talking about? Yeah, they were the same series, but they were the How You Doing commercials. <laughs> 
The Sopranos, Alan Coulter, who directed The Sopranos, we did the whole thing of how you doing, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing, how you... It's the first beer commercial ever shown on the Academy Awards. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. commercials so paid good back then. Yes, that was those were the days when it actually paid really, really well. And I had no idea. And then I just was like... I moved to LA and then I was like, I just get stacks of chat. I was like, what is happening? It was unbelievable. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was, uh, and it got me my union membership. And it was Alan Coulter who cast me in it, who directed it, who I went to the mats with, uh, I was up to play uh, uh, Jackie Jr. on The Sopranos. And I went, you know, I was in a lot of callbacks with 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 the folks over at HBO and and, so the next time I saw Alan was there. He said, oh, my God. And we had gone kind of, we had kind of known each other because they were wanting, I was almost up to play that role. So it was one of those things where you went, oh, my God. I, geez, now he knows me. Like, I hope, I hope I can make this work. This would be amazing. And, you know, and, and I did. I got it. And that was it. And we shot it. Many of them. Shot many of them. That's awesome. So, so when, did you go, when did you move back? So you moved back to, after you were in L.A. for a while, you're like, you went back to the city? Yeah, I was in LA for like eight years. I did Mamma Mia in Vegas um, nice. also for a year. Uh, so I guess I was there for like, I guess, eight years. But one year I was in Vegas. I married my wife. When did you guys reconnect or were you always connected? We were always connected, but we didn't fall in love until our mid-30s. Look at that, man. That Me and my wife went to high school together. She was a no year shit. older and we didn't, know, we didn't really talk in high school. I ran into her in Atlantic City. At four o'clock wow. in the morning at a slot machine. No <laughs> yeah. Wow. But that's cool. Wild. You guys connected after all those years. So when you're talking to her about like, Hey, what was I like 30 years ago? Cause you knew her in kindergarten. That's pretty wild. Yeah. It's wild. Um, yeah, it's wild. And so we got married and then a year later we had our, we had Luca. Nice. And, and then that was sort of like, I had already been a few years into, uh, I got to get out of LA and I got to go back to New York. I was already ready to go back to the East coast, you know, go home. Um, and as soon as we had the kid, you know, it was like literally one year later, we, you know, I said, I don't want to raise him here. I want to raise him on the East coast. Yeah. Uh, so we turned one and shortly after that, we all left and moved to New and moved to Brooklyn, back to Brooklyn. Nice. So what's the first thing you do when you get back? Is it just going back to, like going right back to plays or is it cause you were doing, you were getting, you were getting work when you were out there. Now, obviously, like you said, not something that filled your cup or your, you know, wasn't like soul fulfilling. Yeah. You know? Well, it, 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 it was so, you know, the business out there was kind of, you know, like I said, soured me. So, um, you know, I had kind of said, you know what, I'm going to, I love what I do, but I don't like how it's, I don't like the taste of the industry. And I thought, you know what, I need to like, I need to do myself a favor and step away. So I stepped away for a year. I told my agents and managers, I said, look, I don't want anything. Don't, don't call me for, I'm, I'm stepping away. And I started to get intrigued by editing and filmmaking. And that became a very big focus. So I stopped acting for like a year, uh, focused on editing really primarily and found a great love for editing. And then we moved back uh, to New York City and I still was editing and I wasn't auditioning yet, but I was like, I'm back. 
and I'll wait for the feeling. If I feel like I want to do it, I'll do it. If not, I'm very happy editing. Creatively, I'm you know, working on stuff and making films and whatever, doing bits. And then I felt like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm, I think I'm, you know, I felt, you know, the instinct of, of okay. And I called my managers and I just said, hey, you know, like, let's see what's going on. I'm ready to, to go out and see what's up. And that was it. And then I just kind of slowly would, you know, get auditions here and there. And what, uh, what made you start editing? Uh, well, editing was just, I didn't want to, you know, I was stepping away from acting for a while. And I just, you know, I was doing some editing when I was doing Mamma Mia um, I had a lot of time and so I was like, you know what, let me, let me write a film and direct it and cut it so that I've done it all. And I'd made films and I had done them with my friends, but I had never physically written it entirely. I didn't direct it. I didn't act it. I didn't edit it. And I was like, I'll learn. I have all this time every day, uh, before a performance, you know, I was like, I should be doing something. Yeah. Uh, and so I started doing that. I, I started teaching myself how to edit during the day. You know, I made like two films, two short films in Vegas uh, with members of my cast of Mamma Mia and I would bring everybody in and we'd shoot films and um, and then when I got back to LA, I was like, yeah, hey, you know what? I don't, I don't like the scene and I got a job editing like short documentaries and, and I was having a blast doing it, man. And, and I've, I, you know, love it and do it to this day. I love editing. That's awesome. Uh, I, I just interviewed an editor, editor like three weeks ago. I think it's a fascinating thing because it's so hard. And I think it was like yeah. Jerry Seinfeld or Larry David said like the un unsung heroes of Seinfeld are the editors. Yeah. Because the cutting is so key for the laughter oh, in that show. It's, full, it's a full-blown rewrite. You know, it's the yeah. last rewrite of the script. Uh, and it's just a really, really, I mean, it's like, it's like being in the playground and, and, and you've just, they're, they're, you've got every single toy you want. And you can, you know, and you can use them all. And it's like a constant kind of, you know, just playing. You've got it all. You've got every paint, every brush, every canvas. Uh, it's just a very magical, magical form. So uh, I love editing. And that's what I discovered by letting go of, uh, of, of that, you know, for that year. Um, and, uh, and I've always edited ever, ever since. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, no, I see. I see. Like the one Ghost Adventures, you did that for a long time. Thirty six yeah, episodes yeah, doing that. that. That's great. Sure, you better believe yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, good deal, man. Yes, and I and I and I love it. I love it. It's great. Super, super, super fun. Yeah, and I only do things that are fun. I don't. That's another thing I decided oh. a long time ago. I was like, don't do it unless you're. I'm having fun doing it, and I love doing it. So I don't ever feel like I've ever worked really i've worked a lot of jobs trust me it worked yeah <laughs> you know what i mean but like that was to maintain the doing the fun shit you know so but i think if you if you have that fun outlet like when i'm working during the day as an accountant it's not like i'm saying like this is awesome but when you have like yeah. that outlet of creativity that you can do at the end of the day it makes uh it makes the day go a lot better but that's so cool that oh, yeah. you found oh, yeah. another passion within 
your yeah. passion, you know, even though you're soured on one thing, some people usually say, you know what, I'm going back to Pig Knuckle, Arkansas or whatever. Like yeah. I, you hear the stories yeah. about actors and actresses all the time. They're like, yeah, yeah, I did two movies and then, eh, I went back home. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, man, I'm very lucky that I found a passion within my passion. Like that's a rare, it's rare to find a passion. It's rare to find another one. Yeah. And so, that was a really, you know, when I realized I loved editing, I thought, oh my God, this is, this is, this is my safety net. And it wasn't even a safety net, but I was like, this is just the greatest thing in the world. Like I love doing this. Yeah. So I'll never have to worry about it. I never have to do any, and it's, it's just a wonderful thing. So yeah, very, very fortunate that I found editing. And I think you the know? timing that you moved back, I would guess that would be like 2012, 2011, right? You came back to Brooklyn yeah. right around right. then? Yep. But I'm just saying the timing of it, because then that's when shows were like, you know what? We can film anywhere. Like you like that's yeah. when you really had like even in Jersey now, they're yeah. doing Netflix that Netflix studio at the old uh uh Air Force Base or wherever it's poor, right, right, poor right. Mammoth down the shore. But that's gonna be like mm-hmm. huge for people that live in this area yeah. that are actors, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Absolutely. But Absolutely. I mentioned that because of Boardwalk Empire. Yes. And Taxi Brooklyn. So all within those few years, there's shows that are local that you're like, hey, you know what? I could still, I can do, especially you have that editing there as well. You still have all yeah. these shows that come up. So like Borough Empire must have yeah. been so cool, especially like auditioning for oh, HBO, cool. like in the past, like you said for Sopranos. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. And that was cool. Yeah. And I'd gone into edit or I'd gone into audition for HBO for Boardwalk. Uh, oh God, probably five, six times before I ended up, uh, you know, doing the role that I got. Um, but you know, that's how it usually, that's how it works. You know, casting likes you, but you know, they find that, that role that works. Yeah. You know, but then that was, that was boardwalk and that was great too. Yeah. Loved shooting that. Love it. Yeah. And then it's all about like momentum and like, even like you have taxi Brooklyn, unforgettable, and there's all yeah. these things like, and then you have the deuce and when they see us, which was like a big show. And then the yeah. Irishman, which must've been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was great. It was amazing. Unbelievable. You know, what can you say? Uh, you know, I work with Scorsese. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. Uh, you know, and then they put me at a, you know, they put me at a table with De Niro and Pacino. It was like, you know, the dream. It was uh, uh, an absolute dream. How do you like? How do you even like when they call and they say you got it? Or how? how like how did that work out? Did they tell you in the audition room, or was it a call afterwards? No, 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 no. It was months and months of film. You know, sometimes it takes months. Yeah. You know, to even you know if they even put you on hold. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you don't. Film takes a lot longer. So um, that took many months. I was like, I knew. Uh, casting and I knew what I was who I was reading for uh, and I knew it was a Scorsese movie so you know of course my feeling was like oh my god you know you gotta do you gotta you gotta do this really well because th- this isn't gonna come around again you're not gonna get it so you know after that I remember I left the office uh, where I read and <clears throat> and I was like oh my god you blew it you fucking blew it like I did not feel good at all I remember sitting on a curb and I was like, that was it. That's it. That's it. You had a chance and it's not going to happen. Like, even if you didn't blow it, you didn't do well enough to be sifted out of the, you know, 
very big handful of Italian American men that they brought in, actors that they brought in to read this role. Like you're not gonna stand out, you're not that guy. So I thought I lost it. And then a couple of months later, I, I found out that I got it. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it. Uh, and it was, yes, it was a, you know, it was a dream come true. A fucking dream come true. Especially the waiting for yeah. f- a few months. That's pretty wild. I, I'm sure that happens for a ton of roles because yeah. they don't know when they're going to shoot. Like you said, they don't know when they're going to shoot right. that scene. So why tell this yeah. guy, yeah, yeah, now? But uh, wow. Yeah. The waiting for that. And it was an amazing, yeah, thanks, man. It was a great, yeah, it was just one of those rare things where you're just kind of like, wow, you know? Um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, so. I would yeah. say I would say this the next thing we're going to talk about is probably the most amazing thing because obviously yeah. like you're playing a person in the in the offer in Mario Puzo yeah. that that is yeah. uh quite the character which I never really knew that like yeah. so how how do you how do you prepare for something like that I'm sure there's some kind of archive footage of him or like audio yeah, of him somewhere Yeah yeah there's there's he was listen he was a soft spoken guy Super funny guy, and I've said this in other interviews, and it was as simple as, you know, making this decision to either do an impression or a or an interpretation. Um, I was not going to try to do an impression of, of Mario Puzo. It's not what I do, yeah. and that wasn't what I was... I didn't want... I wanted more time to, to kind of, like, hone in on his spirit. And I thought, you know, there's enough... There are enough similarities between... Patrick and Puzo just in the way of like caring about art and, and and also the insecurities of like being looked at and valued and you know when you read about him and you know he did have those feelings about about things he, he never wanted to do the mainstream you know what I mean it was and I've always been that way too where it's like uh, I, I want to go I want I'd rather people not understand me than understand me um, and so those similarities were there and I thought okay well if we have those things in common, um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna just try to hone in on his spirit. And whenever I do this, whenever we work, that's what I'm gonna try to put out on film. And that was what I did. So you know, it was you know he wasn't like I said, it wasn't an it wasn't an impression. It was an interpretation. He was like I said, a soft spoken guy. Yeah. He was a man of very few words. Uh, uh, and and when he said something. It brought the room down, you know, in three words. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was that guy, uh, and he loved his family and he loved people. But he wasn't, I think, as gregarious as I might have come off. Um, but like I said, it was sort of um, it was sort of me, the uh, Patrick Gallo, kind of trying to, you know, sort of hold his spirit out in center stage as best as I could, if I did. So. What was the audition process for that like? Was that a long process? Um, no, it was a couple of weeks. It was like a couple of oh. weeks. I remember I did it. I read for it. I didn't really know what it was. I could tell after I read the script. Uh, I didn't know what it was. Wasn't invested in it um, necessarily because you give a lot of auditions and you don't really put too much, you know, 99.9% of them you do them and then they never you never hear about them again so it doesn't really uh and then I got a little word that they were interested but they wanted me to read again and um and I was like oh now I'm invested because that's (laughs) unbelievable 
Uh, and then Dexter Fletcher uh, wanted to get on the horn with me. And we Zoomed. He was in London, uh, who was our director. And, uh, and that was super cool to meet him. And we got, we hit it off. And, and he kind of gave me a couple of, you know, little, you know, bits and pieces for the network, uh, for the studio to, you know, to kind of say, like, this is what we need to give them to, like, bring you right to the finish line. Wow. Uh, and then I, yeah, I just, I read again and we sent it in and, and uh, you know, couple of, another couple of weeks went by and I heard nothing and I was like, oh my, now I was invested. I was like, what the fuck, man? What's <laughs> you know, and then, and then, you know, finally, uh, you know, I got the word that I got it. And two days later I was on a plane, I was in LA and I was in a warehouse with Dexter and Miles and Danny and yeah. Juno and we were all fucking, you know rehearsing and, and playing and, and loving each other, you know, finding all the love. You know, it was great. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was you really and Dan beautiful. had some great scenes together. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a kind of, you look at a lot of his roles, he's very out outgoing. And it's really cool. Yeah. It almost yeah. seems like somebody's like off camera, like, okay, tone it. Because that's who Coco yeah. was, you know, even interviews, yeah. no matter yeah. when you see him. I remember watching one on Howard. I think that was the first time I was listening to Stern and he was talking to yeah. Coppola. That's the first time I ever knew anything about any yeah. of this, like that there was like a thing to get this movie made. I, I had no clue. You're just right. like, oh, my God, one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. <laughs> There's my baby girl. Baby. Nice. Baby, you want to meet Doug? Come here. <laughs> Look at that, a dog guest. I love it. She's the baby. Look at that. <laughs> the best. Uh, so yeah, dude. So that was it was pretty great. Pretty great. So yeah, so I always like to ask people, so obviously we can't cover everything that you worked on. So what are some things that you'd love to do? Like, is there another type of role? Or a genre that you'd like, if I gave you a blank check, or that you'd be like, all right, I would do this. Uh, not really, you know. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I wrote a film that we're get, you know, I'm trying to get together right now that we're gonna shoot, and you know, um, I, you know, I gotta tell you, Doug, I'm, uh, I'm very much in the moment. Like I'm very, very, very present. Like I yeah. really don't think outside of right this very second improv so you know <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 exactly it's so, so you know i don't know man like yeah. shit just kind of like will come around and and if i'm into it i'm down and if you know i'm not i got an audition yesterday i was like eh, this doesn't interest me at all no i'm not gonna do it yeah. you know and it's like it's not a harsh thing it's just like a you know you get to this point i think where you just go no i just want to do stuff that i want to do you know, and I don't know what that is. It, it comes and then I go, oh, yeah, that's that's fun. I'll do that. So it just kind of comes. I never know when it's going to happen. And I don't think about it that much. Yeah. You yeah. Know? No, it's good yeah. to be present for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I could just see it like just from talking to you and just your man. I could see you be like the buddy on like a, a movie. Like you could be that. Be a great buddy, right? Yeah. I think he's your really, a good buddy. And you're a funny guy. So I can, see that. I can totally see that. So like across your career, obviously 
I haven't seen American Wedding in a long time, and we always cover sequels. Yeah. What was it like being in that movie? I know you just had a small role. Uh, yeah, it was great. I had a blast shooting that. It was all improv, you know. Jacob Dylan directed it, and uh, it was all improv. Uh, what's her name? Allison Hannigan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that her name? Al. Al she yeah, was yeah, sweetheart. She, yep. And it was uh, it was great. It was all improv, man. It was super fun. Um, I had a blast that day. I loved it. All on steady cam, and it was really a fun shoot. Yeah. That was the one where I was shooting another movie in Florida and it premiered uh, or, you know, it opened up in movie theaters and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get the entire cast and crew to go to the movies tonight to see American Wedding. I'm in it. I was like, I felt like the biggest movie star in the world. And I was like, I'm in the movie and I haven't seen it. It's going to be amazing. And we all go to the movies and the only shot of me is in a dissolve in a montage. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, like I was, I mean, I got up and laughed. I was like, I wouldn't come, have come seen this movie if I wasn't in it. And now I invited everyone here to see it. And I'm in a dissolve. I couldn't believe it. I was totally devastated. <laughs> but I love the story. It's a great no, no, story. It is a good story. No, my buddy, uh, yeah. this guy, I'm helping write a book, uh, Larry Henkin. Yeah. He's a big time character actor. So I helped him put together uh, his memoirs. And one of his stories is about being in, well, not really in, uh, Pretty Woman. He was the landlord to Julia Roberts. So he filmed all uh -huh. these scenes. And the, his recollection, because he had like this moment years before with Gary Marshall. He, uh, Larry uh -huh. was uh, rehearsing with Penny on uh, Laverne and Shirley. And Gary yeah. didn't like that Larry was like holding Laverne like in this scene. He like really didn't like it. So anyway, years later, Larry goes to the premiere and all he sees is the back of his head. <laughs> In the opening scene, it's like a, the camera, like probably a steady cam shot. They go into like the like the stairwell and he's like getting ready to shout something and they cut before you even hear his voice and you just see the back of his head. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's rough. But what's rough. cool about it, obviously it's not there, but obviously any residuals like come in and also you have like the experience of like being on set for the movie. I know it's terrible yeah. to, for that to happen. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. The experience of doing it was great. That's always the best part of it. You know what I mean? So, you know, I didn't feel like I, I mean, I also, I'm looking back on it and I'm sure back then I was really harsh about it and really <laughs> mad and dramatic and upset about it. Now I think I like the story better than being in the movie. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So it worked out for me either way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. You're, you're writing a movie that, and you're like, is it something that you like set in Brooklyn? A uh, short, yeah. Short film, short film. Yeah. Just short film that I, I wrote and I love and just kind of want to do it the right way. So I'm kind of in the midst of getting it budgeted and figuring it out. And you know, that's my sort of the next thing. But once again, like I said, that's happening. And then, you know, you never kind of know what, what rolls your way. I'm getting ready to shoot something in Los Angeles. Um, I sadly, I cannot mention it. That's cool. But I will say that you've mentioned someone involved in it already. Okay. Two <laughs> questions. I love asking people. One is really interesting because it, again, you're super present. So like along the way when you're acting and mm. you're like 
doing your first job, whether it be like even like something like Charmed or ER when you're on set. Along the way, yeah. did you take any mementos like scripts or like wardrobe? No. You have any of that? No, no, I'm terrible that way, man. I don't hold, I don't keep anything. I have literally walked out of apartments with all my belongings and never returned. Yeah. So, <laughs> some, some deep rooted thing is going on there. But no, I'm not a real, uh, you know, I mean, I guess I have, uh, Somewhere in a box, I have like Polaroids, like wardrobe Polaroids from like almost all every show I've done. Oh, that's cool. So that's a cool thing. And I don't know where the hell it is, but it's in a box. And I have my chair um, from the offer. You got to keep that. That's great. Other than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have some cool stuff, but it's more recent. Like it's, not, it's nothing. I'm not like that guy. You know what I mean? Where I'm. You know, I wish I was, you know, I, I you know, uh, I have one, I had a great jacket that for the Irishman, uh, like a sweatshirt, but I gave it to Danny Fogler, who played Gopal in the movie. Wow. I passed it on to You're him. You're very nice. He loved it. I was like, I'm passing it on to you. So yeah, I don't really have that much. No, that's like no. good vibes. You're, somebody's getting, one day you're going to be on a movie or a show and you're going to see somebody with a cool jacket and you're going to be like, oh my God, I love that. And then they're gonna be like, you know yeah. what? Take it. Yeah. Peter Peter yeah, Jason around. did that. The uh, character actor Peter Jason. He he was talking yeah. about like Carpenter would always give like really cool gifts at the end. So he was like Carpenter's right hand man. Whether it be a small role, a, a yeah. larger role yeah. in the movie. So he did for uh, God, not, uh, not Serpent in the Rainbow. God, what's the vampire movie that he did? Carpenter. I should know this. I feel like a dummy. Oh, uh, Oh yeah, um, I can't think of it. Oh man, um, oh, whatever it was at the end of the yeah, whatever. So anyway, yeah. so, so he had the jacket on, and he's wearing the jacket, and he's like, he's like plays tennis, and some like tennis pro, like a professional tennis player was like, oh my god, that's such a cool. Oh, Prince of Darkness. So somebody sees the jacket, and they think it's a reference to, not to <laughs> Prince, but to somebody, and Peter Jason's like. Yeah, you can have it. Like here, it's yours. Like this, like one. He's like, I have a ton of this yeah. stuff. I don't need it anymore. You know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And last question, Patrick. This has been awesome. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't do this, if you didn't start find that creative bug when you're middle school, was there anything? Yeah. Do, do you have any other career path that you think that you would ended up doing? I think at one point. Funny as it is, I, I wanted to like be like a, a, a cop in New York City. Wow. I remember feeling like, <laughs> and I just wanted to get to New York, but I remember thinking like, that'd be cool to be a cop in New York. You know, it just seemed like, a, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'd be doing. God, Jesus Christ. I don't and I got to say, that's why you're doing it. I got to tell you, most of the time yeah. I ask people that. That, most of the time, yeah. I never ask somebody that. I'm like, you know what? I was going to do blank. It's usually that they're like, I really don't know, which shows yeah. you because you have to have that drive. You're never going to make yeah. it like well, like we talked about yeah. in the beginning. It's not like you're ever going to wake up and be like, you know what? I want to work in the movies. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever, I, you know, it was never that. It was always that I just wanted to be part of the art scene, you know? Yeah. That was it, you know? And I think probably still, you know, to a certain extent. Um, but I just think, uh, yeah, I just think, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. No idea. 
No idea. And that, that's why you're here. And I and I have to mention, I, I think I own like a, like a coffee shop or something. <laughs> you own a coffee shop, yeah. I could see me owning a coffee shop <laughs> with like sandwiches. Gallows, really gallows. I don't know. Is there another food or gallows something that starts with G? Gallows. Yeah. Straight up, just straight up. Yeah. This is who owns it. This is what you get here. Come on in. <laughs> and if you want something special, like I'll I'll make it. Come back in the kitchen and make it with me. Yeah, I'm that guy. Oh, bring you right in the kitchen. Yeah, maybe I would have owned like a cafe. Yeah, that's that's it. Maybe I would have owned a cafe. Come on, come in here. You want to work the you want to work the spatula? Come on. Yeah, Not bad yeah, guy. yeah. Flip those flip those eggs for me. <laughs> well, I gotta say before before we uh, end this, you're. The mini bow, your mini bio on IMDb is the funniest thing ever. Yeah. You didn't write that? Somebody else wrote that? No, no, no. What does the name say? I just said it's like mini biography. Yeah, Dr. Sharon Leventhal. Yeah, that's just a made up name. I, I made that name up. That was the name I wanted to name my dog before we got our dog. <laughs> and my wife and people were like, no, you're not naming the dog. Dr. Sharon Leventhal. Pretty funny. I was like, all right, there you go, my bio. How about that? Now, I, you know, I, I didn't even to... notice that until I like fully clicked on it, and then you see it. But I love that it's like yeah. all these things about you, and then his favorite sandwich is chicken salad. I mean, it's important. I mean, it's really an yeah. important thing. I don't see why we wouldn't all tell each other what our favorite sandwiches are. That's true. That's true. And you that's know? what I guess yeah. like he has done improv or comedy or something <laughs> yeah. like that. No. Yeah. No serious dramatic person is going to think that. But man, Patrick, this has been <laughs> awesome, man. I'm really happy we connected. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for the time, man. I appreciate it too. Man, Patrick is the guy that, you know, he'll give you the shirt off his back. And he did that in a sense because <laughs> he gave away his jacket that he got on the Irishman, which is so kind. And uh, man, so many great stories from his career. And uh, it's still, still going. Uh, I love talking to Patrick. Improv, man. I could really see him. Like When I said that to him, I meant that from the bottom of my heart. I could see him be that buddy in a movie. Like, I would, man, I would kill to be a buddy in some of my favorite movies. The buddies are so great. Like, uh, what's his name? Tyler Labine in, uh, what is it? The Greatest Orgy with uh, Jason Sudeikis. Perfect buddy in that movie. Just so many people nail it, and I think he could too. But he has so many irons in the fire because he loves editing he wants to make his own stuff and then every so often he's auditioning and like he talked about he's got something in the works so i'll make sure to put his instagram in the episode notes so you can give him a follow so when he posts about that you could be like oh yeah (laughs) but yeah so uh thanks patrick and now your homework american wedding jim is getting married oh my gosh this is gonna be something and uh and we're all invited well you're invited and then me and jamie are gonna talk about it so don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only, and don't forget to check out our website, sequelsonly.com. Good night. Good night, guys.